Welcome to the Travel Tales Podcast. The winners are the, the people with the most stories. One of the great things about traveling is the people that you meet. I've slept in bus stations, like yeah. I've slept on people's floors. And it's already on fire, and then there's just a gigantic, huge explosion, like out of a Hollywood movie. It's not right or wrong, it's just different. We hired like 10 Chinese prostitutes to come be our audience. We were kidnapped by nuns in Puerto Rico. <laughs> not a good idea to be high when you're packing. You forget a lot of stuff. I got swine flu. By the time you've lived through it, it's just a good story. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Travel Tales Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Siegel. Thanks for listening. My guest today is Greg from Greg Abandoned. And before we get to Greg, here's a few announcements. First, our website is TravelTalesPodcast.com. Go there and see photos of our guests. You can see stories that they've written, some stories that I've written. You can see links to their social media, and you can see links to our social media. And by that, of course, I mean Travel Tales Podcast on Instagram, Travel Tales Pod on Twitter, we have a Facebook page. Follow us on all those formats. I would appreciate it. There are also links to Stitcher Radio and Apple Podcasts. We're on iHeartRadio. We're pretty much anywhere you get your podcasts. So follow us on all those. Subscribe. And if you can, please give us a good rating on all those formats because when you do that, it boosts our presence and helps more people find the show. And that's a cool thing for you to do. If you want to be on the show or you know somebody who might be right for the show, you can write me at... TravelTalesPodcast at gmail.com. That's TravelTalesPodcast at gmail.com. Speaking of writing in, our guest today wrote me about being on the show, and I put him on the show. He felt that he had a cool story to tell, and I have to agree. Greg is from Poland, and he grew up there, and as soon as he finished high school, he went right to England. He wanted to get out of Poland. So he lived in the UK for about 15 years, had a number of jobs, ended up becoming a teacher, and now he finds himself... In Beijing, China. He's been there for a few years. He's teaching at an international high school in China, but he has an interesting side gig. His side gig is visiting abandoned places. Abandoned hotels, hospitals, military installations, shopping malls. If it's tough to get to, he finds it and visits it. On Instagram, you can find him at Greg Abandoned. And he just has amazing photos from all these different places that he's visited. And I didn't realize this, but there's a whole subculture of people who are out there into that. There's actually a subculture of pretty much anything you're into. And you guessed it, he's got a podcast, Chasing Bandos. Bandos, that's their hip lingo for abandoned places. <laughs> I have to admit, I have found myself searching through websites and looking at photos of abandoned places. I do have a fascination with them. These things that were built with such care and such expense and were just left. It's pretty, uh, pretty interesting to me. And of course, it's super interesting to him. So we talk about that, how we got into it, what he gets out of it. You'll notice that I didn't use his last name. He didn't want his last name out there. And he just likes to go by his handle of Greg Abandoned. I think maybe he's worried about uh, drawing some attention to his work. <laughs> for And in China, who the hell knows? Maybe you have to cover your tracks a bit in China. But either way, he's a really fascinating guy, and I'm glad he reached out. So you can follow him at Greg Abandon. You can follow the Chasing Bandos podcast. And you can learn all about his interesting journey right now in our conversation. So please enjoy my late night call to Beijing, China, and my talk with Greg Abandoned. I was born in Poland. I left uh, when I was 19, 18, yeah, something like that, to, to England. 
and uh, yeah, so I do have like a uh, a long longerish uh, last name. But okay. I, I use Greg. I use Greg Abandon because like people know me by Greg Abandon. Where in Poland are you from? Uh, it was a place called Elbląg, but it was like um, it was the, the nearest like a the nearest city that people might be aware of is Gdańsk. Gdańsk, okay, yeah, yeah, no, yeah. I've only been to Krakow. I, oh, you know, oh, that's a beautiful city. Yeah, yeah. I've been there once. Yeah, once that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were doing like a tour with my parents when uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was funny because my my brother and I we always were saying like how nothing ever happens uh, is so boring, you know, traveling with your parents. And at that time, I think there was like a massive flooding at the south of Poland, and we were driving in a car in the mountains it was pouring rain uh the on- oncoming car uh would splash this wave of water all over our car and my mom turned i just i st- still remember this my mom turned around and she says still boring <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's funny when i went to poland because yeah, I'm originally from uh, Chicago. Oh, yeah. We got a, a big Polish yes. uh, and we, uh, community. Huge. Uh, yeah. So when you say mm. you're from Chicago, when you go to Poland, every every Polish person says, oh, my cousin lives there or my brother lives there yeah. or somebody knows yeah. somebody in Chicago. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. yeah I must say that I kind of um, uh, grew up with that sense of not belonging. It, pretty strange. I would say I've never been homesick. It probably... The op- what would be the opposite of homesick? Uh, Wanderlust? I, I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, I grew up on my mom's stories of her travels. Uh, she she was traveling extensively to like m- make money after the Poland became like when we transitioned independence. From yeah, yeah. Um, so um, so yeah, I kind of tr- I, I I grew up on those stories, but my life kind of took a little bit of a different turn. I um, I just. I was obsessed with football, man. I was honestly, I was, <laughs> you would call it soccer. So, yeah, I know. I'm a fan. What is your team? Oh, Man United. Man really? United. Really? Yeah, yeah. Ah, I, see, that's too is, easy. Yeah, but people say that it's so hard to defend <laughs> myself. But as a, as a young, as a young kid, I watched the Champions League final in 1999 and there was a, uh, uh, Bayern Munich were playing Man United and they were winning. I think they scored in the eighth minute and a whole game, it was just 1-0, 1-0. And at the end of the game, I think it was like a minute to the end and they were showing all the crowds and all the Germans. They were like, they were, they were celebrating. I was like, I couldn't, I cannot take this. I cannot take this. <laughs> I cannot uh, watch Germans, you know, celebrating when my team is is losing. <laughs> but at that time, at that time, I wasn't like a hardcore Man United fan. I just, I just in that game, I was supporting United versus right versus the Bayern Munich. And then um, I turn off the TV. And in the morning, my dad used to have this habit of, habit of making us breakfast and turning the radio on. <laughs> and that's where I heard. That in the last two minutes, last two seconds, Man United scored two goals, and they won two one. Oh and right, yes. I and I just could not forgive myself for this. That I've ne- I haven't seen that. <laughs> and ever since, I was always watching the football till the end, and I was really like following the Premier League. So as a young kid, when I decided to leave. I always knew that I would go to England. I wanted my dream was to like go to the football stadium and 
Yeah, I was like so obsessed. <laughs> that was the year they won the treble, right? With David Beckham and all those guys. Yeah. That was, see, that's yes. pretty good. Find me one yeah. other American who knows anything about it, right? Oh, yeah. I am impressed. I am. See, I'm a Spurs fan. So there, that should tell you something. Oh, that's how much that's, I love that's pain. A team. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, I remember the Man United Spurs games, like when Spurs would be <laughs> first half is so good. And then at the end, they still win. Like they, they're winning 2 0. And then at the end, it's 5 yeah. 2. <laughs> I like the teams that rip your heart out every, every year. Oh, you picked the right team. Yeah, I did. I did. <laughs> So you grow up in in Gdansk, and then did you go to university in uh, England? So I yes yes yes. I'm when I moved to England, I kind of just wanted to. I really needed to. My my um my household were a little bit toxic, uh, and I really wanted to move out from that environment. I, I really didn't like Poland. I didn't feel like I belonged there. Since I was thirteen, I was planning to. To, to leave um and yeah when i moved to england originally i i just kind of wanted to get a job and essentially survive because i didn't want to be like one of those guys who left there was a big kind of big immigration going on at the time because poland just joined the european union yes so the borders were open and, many in um, uh, england many of the uh repairmen and the construction workers and uh yeah have are all polish True. I, I, I must say I'm not one of them. <laughs> I know, but I'm not one of them. It's, it's I common. You know? do, I couldn't like I couldn't do any of that stuff that, that they were doing. <laughs> I was just a kid. I was just a kid uh, who just finished high school. Um, and I basically uh, got a job like a, as a like a forklift driver. And then after I think four or five months, I realized, you know what, like this is not why I came here for. And that's where I went to college. I, uh, I passed like my, my entry exams and I went to uni. Yeah, I went. So I first uh, study in, in England and then um, I um, I got a job there and then it's kind of like 15 years I've been there. Okay. So yeah. you're in the in tech, right? Or some, you in general, uh, you don't have to say specifically what you do, but. No, 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 no. I, 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 I teach math. I teach calculus. Oh, okay. Yeah. So the thing, because the thing, the thing that uh, this, I think it's like, it suits me so well and, and, and perfect uh, because it allows me to now having been teaching, having jobs in international schools allows me to have the foreign national, uh, foreign holidays, the, the, the Chinese local, new year. <laughs> yeah. Chinese new year holidays. So all of that uh, allows me to do um, a lot of traveling and obviously exploring. Yes. Yeah, so, mm. well, we'll get to your journey uh, mm. in a minute because I, I think guess the good thing about teaching math and, and numbers is that they're universal in any language, correct? I mean, oh, you would think so. Yeah, you would think so. <laughs> but no, it's not the truth. <laughs> Well, there are like little, there are small differences with that. You would you would always assume like the math is universal language, but in majority it is. There are just little little things. Obviously, different curriculums for different um, countries. Mm -hmm. um, in China, there are um, those kind of bilingual schools where up to certain age there is a Chinese curriculum, and after certain age it kicks in for international. Um, so there's, there's little, little things like that. So how long have you been in Beijing? In Beijing, just this year, I previously, I was in a coastal city called Qingdao and, um, it's a kind of like a touristy 
kind of place. Qingdao is that where is that where the beer is from? Yes. yes okay. Exactly. Yes. It's a good oh, beer. Well, I like it. It is. It is. Well, Mike, you, <laughs> you've been you've been around. Yeah. It's yeah. Like yeah. Shanghai you're not talking to a you know an amateur here. Uh, of course. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it it is a travel podcast after mm-hmm. all. I have been around a bit, but one of my big things, you know, there's about a dozen countries I haven't been to yet, mm. and mainland China is on that list. Mm. I've 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 been to Taiwan and Hong Kong mm. twice each, yeah. but that's not mm. really, you know, it's like what I call it. It's China light or fake China, you know. <laughs> it's much easier, you know. <laughs> it's yeah, it's very easy for uh, you know. I don't need a visa and things mm. like that. Um, but mainland China, yeah. I just I just Same. haven't uh, gotten there yet, but. It's a massive country, you know, it's the most people anywhere. Oh, um, so I've been to India, so I get I've seen a billion people in one place and <laughs> I can imagine China <laughs> is just as crowded. But uh, why China for you? Why of all places to go? Why? Why there? Right. So I got divorced and I decided to I need to do something else. That was kind of like a big moment in my life where I decided to. Uh, stop being the guy who watches uh, stuff online and do things. And um, at some stage, I just, I really um, fell in, fell out of love with England because I, I was, I was in love with England. I absolutely loved it. It was such a pragmatic country. I remember crossing the streets um, on the red light with two policemen on my second day in England. And I was just like, <laughs> oh my God, I finally belong. Because I'm not a person who followed follows the rules, and I very quickly realized that England England was a place that rules were made. It's not black and white. It's just made for people, you know. Like you can interpret the rules. But anyway, I I um the rise of nationalism and the whole like Brexit, blaming the foreigners. England has really really changed, really changed here as well. You know, mm, um, yeah, yeah, and um. I it was the first time in my life where I um nothing really specifically happened to me but I just felt this like uh, I just felt not wanted anymore and at the time I was living in London previously I was living in Manchester and I just I was just really annoyed with like how expensive everything was and at the time I was single paying the mortgage for my house by myself all that so I I was feeling it and I just really needed uh, to do something else. So I went on LinkedIn. <laughs> wow. Okay. And I talked to an agent and he said to me, like, uh, you know, there are two types of people um, who go abroad to teach. Uh, there's one that goes for the adventure and the one, the other ones who want to maximize like the earning potential. So which one uh, is, is you? And I said, money. Uh, right away like i want to go somewhere where they give me the most amount of money um little did i know that you can marry both of those things and at the time at the time this was four years ago he said the richest country for teaching is kazakhstan uh second was saudi arabia and the third was china i really wanted to go to kazakhstan because uh at the time the space shuttles the abandoned space shuttles like the craziest thing i've ever done in my life uh, this was um, this was in Kazakhstan, so I really wanted to go there. Saudi Arabia, I was like right away said to him, like no, no way, uh, absolutely no way, I will go there. Um, and um, and China, I was like, yeah, sure, yeah, yeah, I can do that. And um, yeah, Kazakhstan didn't work out, and China did. So okay, well, I'm here. Yeah, 
do they pay the most because it's so difficult to get people to come and they have to pay or they so. just have the most money <laughs> I, 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 I think i think maybe it's a mix mix of people um there is obviously in within china the education is for the parents in the years at the the biggest importance uh, for them and um, they really like the idea of uh, their children learning um, a second language and being fluent in English uh, as well. So international schools are quite popular. There are different type of licenses they have because some international schools can only accept students who have foreign passports. But more and more, there are international schools, like I said before, bilingual where Chinese citizens can go as well. So is the, where you're teaching and what age are you teaching? Is this high school? Yeah, high school. Okay. So are they mostly Chinese students or international? Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. Mostly Chinese. Yeah. Okay. And you teach in English? Yes. <laughs> As a kid growing up in Poland, I bet you never thought you'd be teaching in English oh, in China. Oh, uh, both <laughs> of my parents, uh, if I remember one thing they said to me is like, don't ever become a teacher, never become a teacher, never become a teacher. <laughs> and it, But to be honest, like, I feel like life is kind of choosing for me. You know, when I was uh, studying in, in UK, there was one lecture and this woman came in and she said, I wanted to be a writer. I, I loved writing crime stories. And uh, she came in and she said, there is this shortages of like chemistry, physics and math teachers in England. And they give you 800 pounds if you go to a school for three weeks. Um, and if you just uh, observe and maybe that would get you into teaching. And I was like, I, I, I asked my friends because I was half asleep. It was, it was a lecture after all. And yeah. <laughs> I, I asked, what, what did she say? A hundred pounds? And... He said, no, no, 800. I'm like, oh, okay. 800. Yeah, That's like $1,000. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was like, just for what? To go for three weeks and observe? Yeah, sign in. And, um, and then when I, when I went, um, I was told that they pay you to study, <laughs> not the other way around. <laughs> there was such a so shortages of, of, of like the core subject in England. They actually paying you to study. So I was... I was like, yeah, sweet, more time for me to like write and master my writing. Um, I'll, I'll do that because, you know, you didn't have to finish. But I actually really enjoyed it. I actually really enjoyed it. It's, it was such a different experience teaching in England and teaching in Poland or what I le remember learning in Poland that I actually really loved it. And um, yeah, and it kind of uh, just... What's the main difference? In, in the teaching and the schooling in Poland and um, England? In, po in Poland, I felt it was all like really strict and very like professor says everyone is quiet and it's just like a military drill. At least I, that's what I remember. I think it's, it, 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 it must vary from school to school, but it's just what I experienced. And in England, it was all about, you know, those different kids would come from completely different backgrounds. And you really needed to like, get to that child to motivate them uh, because, you know, th there was like maybe they were the only child in, in, in that family that would ever have considered going to university. And 
it was really like getting to that point where dealing with those challenging kids, um, you know, I, I actually really started to enjoying that, like breaking that kind of like this, this kind of behavior. Cause at the end, like everyone wants to, wants to do well. It's just sometimes kids, you know, they like yeah. to be clowns in the class or whatever. Right. But um, yeah, I really started enjoying, enjoying that. Well, how are the Chinese students different? Oh, um, so um, I would say a lot of them are very motivated, uh, but there is a whole, there's a completely another spectrum that is just super lazy because they're super rich. Uh, because obviously coming to those international schools. Oh, so you have the wealthier class kids. Yeah, yeah because you, you have to pay uh, uh, decent fees. Uh, for that but you know what it's like everywhere like it all comes from your parents like if your parents have uh, good values and they install this in a child you will the child will be fine it's like with um, when you want to find out like oh why is this student the way he or she is or just wait for the parents evening just wait until (laughs) the parents and then you will know everything you know like it will be like oh okay yeah it makes sense Asshole parents raise assholes, <laughs> basically. Pretty yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so That's a lot of talk about teaching, Mike. Yeah, I know, but I, I want to get to. I, I'm fascinated yeah. by this journey of how you end up mm. in China. Oh, yeah, no. But then let's get started with the the website, Greg Abandon. And what is it? Well, first of all, describe to people what it is. You you basically is it more than photos, or do you do do you write stories or something about these? sites you visit um, right so essentially what i do it's funny because i just remember my first trip to ukraine going to chernobyl and at the border the guy asked me like what's the reason for your visit and i'm basically trying to go and like <laughs> trespass in your country and, and like maybe go you know do, do things that are not technically legal so essentially, this, this is kind of what I do. I go and I find unique abandoned locations, abandoned places, because I feel that they are absolutely beautiful. I, uh, and I try to find, I try to, you know, find the ones that are not just like a regular broken down corridor or everything straight. I try to find more, more unique places. Um, I climb fences. <laughs> yeah. I, I, uh, yeah, I would do pretty much um, anything in order to get inside a place within the law. Uh, that's something I have to um, emphasize uh, because on my chasing bandos podcast, I would um, remove the interviews of some of the explorers because I, I have a podcast. I interview other explorers who do things like me, and I sometimes. Afterwards, when I found out, find out that they are going like with the drills or, or crowbars, or they destroying the places, destroying the locks, I would remove those people from from my um, from the interview list uh, because you know, like I have to, I feel like I have to promote the good values. We have too many people who are doing this for the wrong reasons, and and it's very important that some places are just locked and there's no way in. And it's absolutely fine because guess what? There will be another one. You don't have to get inside every single place. And you have to learn that sometimes failure is just part of 
of experience, you know? And it, yeah, it feels like shit to travel for so long to get to somewhere or even go to a different country and just not being able to do what you, what you want to do. And, and just, you have to accept that. What do you think it is about abandoned places that you find beautiful and why do you think it is? Okay. Why do you feel nerdy? How nerdy do you want my answer to be? Well, you know, (laughs) if it's nerdy nerdy and interesting is fine. I don't care. Nerdy and not interesting, that's the problem. Um, okay, so this is going to turn out, I'm going to turn out as a massive nerd. I, um, so essentially what I would say, um, up until I was 30, I had this bit of a different type of life when I was just like the math teacher. Um, you know, I was, had my wife and my house just doing the regular thing. Um, and then um, after all this, so I called that part like my previous life. And I remember um, there was this IT guy that I met, a new guy joined my, my school. And um, he had, when I went to his office, he had a Fallout 3 poster on his wall. Now, Fallout 3 was like a video game that I remember playing when I was a bit younger. And I was totally obsessed with this game. This game was about exploring this totally abandoned uh, uh, wasteland in destroyed Washington, D.C., and you can go anywhere, scavenge, that kind of thing. It's just pure survival. I was just, I would say I was like a little bit uh, too obsessed with it. You, you see, I don't go and do things like 70%. When I do something, it's ho- I'm, I'm driving 150 miles per hour when I go into, into something. So I was um, playing this game. And then once I saw, um, obviously, all that shit happened in my life. And then I saw this guy and I was like, whoa. And then we clicked right away. And I said to him, you know, I always wanted to go to Chernobyl. And he said, no shit. I always wanted to go to Chernobyl. And then all of a sudden we are booking flights and we're going to Chernobyl. And I remember my second day, I'm standing on top of the building, looking at this desolate, abandoned town of Pripyat, overgrown with trees, no people, every, like just eerie. And I had this overwhelming feeling that, oh my God, this is what I want to do. Like, I just, I just knew it was like a, it was like a light switch moment in my life. I, I just, I want to find places like this. I felt like opening a, a, a Christmas gift every single moment I was there. It's this thing where you find something you love doing like everything starts to make sense to you and everything else doesn't matter anymore because you truly found something that you love doing. And I love it so much. It's, it's that I don't do anything else. I don't do other travel. I don't do holidays. I, I, this is only thing I do. I, I love it. Do you think it's the serenity of the place or the peacefulness or the quiet? Maybe or- it, 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 it it must be all of it. It like must be all of it. I just always, I always had this weird attraction to this, like, for example, anything to do with apocalypse or post-apocalyptic scenes, you know, Book of Eli, the movies, the, the Mad Max <laughs> movies, I, uh, or the books like The Road. Um, it's something that always uh, just spiked my imagination in that way. And I feel like 
when I go to those places, it's just like the sense of being there just by myself. I don't have to pay for this. I can find little clues about maybe figure out like what happened to this place. Or it is so unique and it gives you a different type of experiences. Some of the experiences that I had, I would never had them if I didn't do this. You meet people, you talk like you, I go to like this one place south of China, there's a, a fallen Buddha's temple, uh, there's a fallen Buddha statue uh, pushed to the ground. I walk around the village, ask people what happened, find out information about that. And um, somewhere else we go, we, we are invited by this like a boss of this uh, whole village to of the invitors for this huge meal for this lunch we have this it's a different type of connections uh, that you can make and different experiences um just by kind of doing something a little bit different than the norm do you are i don't know do you find it exciting that maybe there's a sense that you're in a place that you probably shouldn't be and maybe that's exciting. And it's, you know, should I be here? Should I be walking on these things? Should I, you know? Yeah, I still get this uh, um, bit of uncomfortable uh, feeling in my stomach whenever there is something that's a um, little bit too risky. I remember there was this abandoned theater, but right next to it, there was a police station. <laughs> and, I, and I just knew that, I, okay, I have to go there very early. Uh, 4 a.m. or 5 a.m. in the morning, climb the fence, get, get inside and find a way in very quickly in case someone would, would come out and see. And But whenever I feel that little bit of that, that, that little pain in my stomach, just like overcoming those obstacles. And actually like <laughs> it's exciting. Achieving, you go, it's so exciting. It's so exciting. And the adrenaline is, um, is, is so powerful and gives you like uh, really... You can you can do things that you you thought that you would never be able to do, even like physically. But do you worry? I know with your site, I've I've followed, and there's a couple other sites that I've uh, you know I've deserted places and things like that. So I admit I like seeing them, and I don't know what it is about the beauty of it. I think there's a sad beauty in things that were mm. built for a purpose, and for one reason or another, they were just left. Yeah. You know, I, maybe I'm decay. obsessed with some kind of, um, mm. and it just makes me think of the waste of it all oh, and yeah. like how much work went into it and then to just leave it. Um, oh, yeah. And somebody cared so much about building something and the cost mm. of and everything else mm. and just to leave it. And then some aspects, you know, a forest takes it back it's, over or something. Yeah. It's mind boggling. At the amount of time I would go somewhere and I think to myself, how, how, how did this happen? Like, how is it possible that I'm in this huge shopping mall, for example, and all of this is abandoned and is like rotting away and is wasted and it's probably going to get demolished yeah, and or destroyed. It's like the amount yeah. of money that goes into some of those <laughs> places, some of the buildings, it's just, it, it's really hard to comprehend. Well, there's a site, uh, yeah, about, uh, especially in uh, you know, America, they just have abandoned shopping malls. Mm. And I'm fat, the, the mall that I grew up going to as a kid was on that site. It, uh, it, it's since demolished. But I remember yeah. somebody had, had gotten in there and brought like a, a, a camera and they mm. put a video on YouTube. And I just it all came back to me of hanging out. That mall was the center of our 
lives as teenagers in the eighties, you know, and now it's, yeah. it's gone. You know, it, it was weird to think, but, but now that you really think about it, look at something like Angkor Wat, you know, it was a temple that was built with such care and then the, the jungle overtook it. And then a thousand years later, some people discover it. And then now it's a, a tourist attraction, basically doing what you're doing, you know, and, and yeah. Machu Picchu was kind of the same way. So I'm wondering if some of these sites that you're going to now, you know, in a hundred years, yeah. maybe people will be going, there'll be tourist sites. You know? oh, 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 yeah. Look, look, some of the, I, I have to admit that we, um, the explorers, the urbex people, um, you know, I very, this is the type of conversations I keep having all the time with explorers. And I ask them, like, do you think that we ultimately contribute to some of the demise of those places? So I, by overexposing them, because, you know, we, we, we share those stuff on online and then, um, well, but that's what brings me to the one issue of like not actually sharing locations. That's really one that frustrates a lot of people um, that the good explorers don't tell you where the place is. Well, that's why I was going to ask you. I was wondering mm -hmm. if, if, you know, you have this fear for someone who likes the serenity of a place that's by, you know, by himself, by sharing it online, aren't you running the risk of bringing more and more people to ruin it? Yeah, that's true. That's true. That's why, I mean, look, there's always like this fine balance about, about you want to kind of showcase your work. You want to show people that those places exist. Um, because to be honest, like the Instagram, it kind of just gives me motivation. Mm -hmm. Other, I seeing other explorers, uh, talking to them, they are such a passionate people. <laughs> and like, I, I feel like they really give me motivation to keep going. And, but on the flip side, there are places that because they became popular, they attract interest of individuals and they're getting renovated so there are places that are genuinely right now being renovated and they will be open to public because of the fact that they are like for example there's a there's a monument on top of the mountain in bulgaria called Buzluja. so it's a former communist headquarters um and this place is it looks like a ufo building i think and i've seen that absolutely one. Yeah, it's insane. And um, so, yeah, this place is being renovated. They're going to renovate it and do what yeah. with it? And make it a, a monument, a tourist Maybe attraction? Like a, or a, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, probably a museum. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Mm. But uh, is part of that make you happy that they're going to, it's going to bring it back to life and then we're going to use it again and then maybe it's not so wasted. But on the other hand, uh, you lose your abandoned site. <laughs> okay so if i was if i was really selfish i would say because i already uh you saw it seen this i've seen this place yeah. with my own eyes now it's okay just revamp, you know, remodel it yeah 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 no but uh, but to, to be honest there are certain places where i really would be happy if they were saved because they are so incredible so some of these old For hotels example, and old hotels and mm. castles and these theaters, you know, I mean, uh, some of these old theaters that are so ornate and beautiful and mm. rotting and, and just, I've seen so many in of these. America. That, yes. And I just go, oh, my God. oh, if you could just save these, you know, these old vaudeville yeah. stages yeah. and these, you know, from the you know 1800s, early 1900s. And they're so. Yeah, speaking of Chicago. Yeah. I mean, Baroque and, and the uh, 
detail on them are just incredible. Oh, yeah. And- because, you see, that's the thing that that type of architecture, it doesn't exist anymore. Look what we do. Like, do we build shopping malls? Yeah. Like your <laughs> cinema, you go to a cinema in the shopping mall. Like, it's not what it used to be. There is a least amount of effort. It needs to be done quickly and cheap. Yeah. nowadays that, that there's that craftsmanship is just not there anymore so i think that's why it's so important to preserve those places so in a way even if that place gets destroyed i feel like by exploring it and documenting it because i mean photographs are documents of those right um you kind of maybe preserving the history a little bit um of it. I'm always fascinated by the old, um, the military bases and installations, you know, like an abandoned submarine uh, port or, you know, these so many of these military forts yeah. are everywhere around. The, and you realize it never ends, you know, whether they're a thousand years old or from old, um, you know, Soviet things, yeah. they just what armies leave behind is staggering. Mm-hmm. And then you talk about the waste and the waste of war and, and everything mm-hmm. like that. You know, it, there's so much history in that. I would say uh, as a maybe advice to explorers out there is uh, when it comes to the military stuff, uh, I you just be careful. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, I, uh, I must say sometimes um, maybe flying your drone. Sometimes you have to also be careful if the place is abandoned in the first place, um, especially when it comes to military. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, we do a lot of research online. So we look at the satellite mode pictures and um, maps, right? And something that might look like a plane graveyard, for example, from the Google Earth maps <laughs> might not be a plane graveyard in real life. It might be just an active military base that someone wants to keep it secret, for example. So, um, yeah. So yeah. You have, have you ever, careful yeah. have you ever gone to some place you thought was abandoned and found out it was not? And then maybe someone's even, you know, squatting in it or living in it or, you know, who uh, knows? Okay. So in terms of squatting, I, um, yes, I came across a, a person in Bulgaria that was living in uh, in abandoned place. He was sleeping at the time when I was there. So I just like, I saw the feet <laughs> sticking out and I just freaked out <laughs> and I left. And in terms of um, exploring places that uh, you uh, thought it was abandoned, but it wasn't, <laughs> it was such a funny story. Uh, one time um, I was uh, trying to get to this abandoned indoor water park and we um, knew like roughly where this place was. I wasn't exactly sure. So um, I climb <laughs> this building <laughs> and we were climbing and maybe like third or fourth floor. There was an open window. We saw the open window. So um, we climb through that window. We get access to this building. And the person I was with, Sydney, I told him like, hey, wait a second, I'm just gonna go quickly, like upstairs, check check this room, and if nothing there, then we we just climb down and explore from the f- bottom floor. And uh, I went up, opened the door, and I enter a gym, but uh, it, there was no one there, 
all the equipment was there and you just felt like it felt a little bit old, but it just didn't feel, didn't feel abandoned at all. So I was like, wait a second, this is a little bit weird. I don't know sure why the gym would be here. But anyway, so we, we come down the stairs and once we got to the bottom floor, all of a sudden, as we reach the bottom, the elevator lift just opens. <laughs> and we're like, what? And a woman just comes out. But she was just like, she just walked out. She just walked out, didn't pay attention to us. And I'm, I'm looking at Sydney and I'm like, what, what's happening here? And then we carry on walking. And this was an um, ice skating rink. <laughs> <laughs> Illegal <laughs> ice skating rink? just ice skating. Okay. No, no, no. It was just, just normal, normal oh, ice skating. Oh, my goodness. That we just, yeah. We, and um, we realized, okay, it's, it's a wrong building. It's a wrong building. It's a different <laughs> building. Yeah. Have, have you ever been chased out by uh, security or police? Um, I think it's pretty impossible not to. Yeah. Um, yeah. Have you yeah. been caught? Oh yeah, uh, I have. So <laughs> I, I think the the scariest thing I've ever had to experience in terms of being caught uh, was um, over here in China. I was uh, interrogated for ten hours for finding uh, a secret military base um, that I thought it was a plain graveyard. I kind of alluded to it previously. So I thought the place was a military graveyard. Uh, like a plane graveyard, sorry. And uh, it was actually uh, a base that's not supposed to be found. Oh, um, goodness. Yeah. Yeah. And um, and yeah, so that was pretty scary. Um, the whole interrogation and waiting and all that stuff. Um, that was really, I thought, my God, it's been only five months I'm in China. I'm already being sent back. I just couldn't believe it because I was, I was certain that I would just, they would deport me for this. And Hey, de um, deportation, you know, that's, that could be getting off easy. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, it could yeah. be worse. Yeah. But it's just, you know, when in those situations, you don't really um, think like you don't really, those, those things don't cross your mind that you can get like, like seriously in trouble because in, in a way, what you do is quite innocent. Um, actually, you know, in China, there are no trespassing laws. So even obviously being in a, like a military base is something different, right? But I was caught flying my drone. So I actually didn't get access to it because I just wanted to check it out first. Um, and I don't, I don't know how they got me. They got me within two minutes. Is there, um, it's interesting, there's no trespassing laws in China. Is it because... In communism, all land is public. It's like land is for the people. There's no private, really, land. Yeah. You know what? This this communism thing is like uh, <laughs> living in China, you very quickly realize that this is uh, there's a, there needs to be a little bit of a different uh, definition for communism. Oh, it's much, much different now than what it used to be. Yeah, yeah. The, the, it's like the communism with capitalism. Uh, it just really doesn't doesn't feel like living in a communist country, to be honest. Obviously, there are certain things in terms of like freedom of speech and stuff like that, that um, you probably need to be aware of. But it just really, um, it's really different to like just what I was told and what I believed, you know? Yeah. Um, but, um, but yeah, I would certainly um, would even surprise you with this. Um, if I go to abandoned place, and I take something that 
uh, less than I think fifth, around 67. I'm not sure what's the like the um, exchange rate, but let's just say $60, right? 60 bucks. Okay. If I take something that's worth less than that, that's still not legal. That's not that's not illegal. Hmm. So I can be trespassing and stealing, <laughs> and it's still not illegal. And you know what? And it my experience totally shows this because when I go to some places. I was once in this hotel, right? And I walk in, manage to get inside, and I'm look, looking at this place and it's like, wow, this is another place that's like probably they run out of money and they never build it, right? Then I'm afterwards, I do research on it because I usually that's what I do. I go to place first and then afterwards I do the research. I researched this hotel and this hotel was open since 1960s. It was like one of the most famous hotels in China. And there were not even sockets left. People go there and steal absolutely everything. <laughs> In China, if you if a place becomes abandoned, it's very rarely you would think you would find things left inside. Oh, they just because take all local, the fixtures local, and everything yeah. and the copper, local any kind of people, metals. Yeah anything flooring uh, <laughs> panels on the walls uh, anything will be taken you you're literally thinking that you are exploring uh, a construction site okay. and when i saw a picture of this hotel before it, it, you cannot comprehend <laughs> it's just down to the studs yeah 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 <laughs> so um but obviously obviously i i don't i don't take any stuff because it's just you know <laughs> The thing is like going to experiencing this this place and actually sometimes achieving like entry because sometimes it takes effort to to get inside and going from that process of researching actually traveling there because you see the pictures you 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 want to go there you actually go there then you find a way in you go inside you take your pictures that's I think that's way better that's where I take my experience from. That experience of doing that is better than anything, in my opinion, that I would find. How do you find new places? Is it mostly through uh, rumor, through talking to others who do the same thing? Yep. Nowadays, pretty much. Uh, I remember a um, few years back, it was, uh, oh my God, it was just like scanning internet uh, uh, internet to be honest like we don't share locations uh but if you really look for something you will find it <laughs> um there was um i think i always bring up uh, this one example of this water park that it i took me it took me six months to find it i would even look for the different rights and find a manufacturer who makes those rights and i would uh, contact them and i would find the information to where do they distribute those and i would check every single uh theme parks uh, and china is crazy about theme parks <laughs> and I would check those locations and I would eventually find the one that would match this picture that I found. And it sometimes it takes absolutely forever. Nowadays, it's just basically, I know a lot of people now. And mostly people just tell me um, stuff. And um, I know a lot of like Chinese explorers uh, that would, um, I would just be like, Okay, so let's go here. Let's go here, <laughs> and and we and we go. You know, but sometimes it's 
you know, you look online, you, you, you sometimes use your friends to help you out with certain locations because, you know, obviously it's a different language. Yeah. How are your Chinese skills? Uh, I would say uh, basic. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Okay. I, have a, I, I do have an excuse. Look, I, you know very well having your own podcast, it's a lot of work. And yeah, editing and all that. On top of that, full time job. On top of that, last year I was writing the book. Um, uh, so all of this stuff, it it is really time consuming, and not even mentioning obviously the travel and and going to places which they are almost always very remote. Uh, so all of that is um, is a little bit you know. Well, I, to be honest, I, the Chinese girlfriend. The moment you have a Chinese girlfriend, you're not gonna learn any Chinese. Because she wants to learn because, English. Because first, like she just will help you with everything. But she did. You got lazy. She does yeah. all the talking for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So let's talk about China now, though. Mm. Since you know, it's been two years here. This week, really, since COVID shut down the first. Mm. Yeah. So how easy it has it been, or difficult has it been to move around China during? Mm. Have you been there through the whole? pandemic oh yes 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 uh, i think i've done like 120 different cities and towns since covid started so i look um whenever uh, fr- since i started doing this i promised myself one thing i will not let fear influence my decisions i don't let fear to make any decisions for me so i don't it's and also I teach math and the, like the probability, like I, I, I understand probability. So um, the amount of people in China, even the amount of cases that they had when the pandemic was like 2020, right? When this was happening, the probability of, of, of that, that me getting that, uh, it's, it's just like minimal. Plus, you know, like I, I just use precautions, like I wash my hands and all that stuff. And I, I wear the mask sometimes. <laughs> but do they force you? I mean, I know they they trace oh, a lot, man. you know, they. Oh, man, it is. It is difficult. It is. It, it is difficult. But you know what is like you have to play the game by their rules. So, for example, every province in China would have their own way of um because in China is everything about mobile phone, right? So if you have to mobile, you have mobile phone. Everything is use you use mobile phone for. So every uh, province will have an app that would show uh, your QR code, like a green QR code, a QR code that you would show. And if you have a green one, it's all fine. It, it's uh, you know no one can like stop you because they will only stop you if you don't have a green green code. Nowadays, things got a little bit worse uh, in here. I feel like it's a little bit regressing. But also Beijing, obviously, this is where the boss lives. So everyone's to protect Beijing. <laughs> um, Beijing is a little bit uptight when it comes to uh, all that stuff. Um, and lately, um, they treated very harshly. Like, they, well, you know, you have a one case, two cases. Somehow they always pop up just before the holidays. But whatever and and then you have to uh do the covid test i think i'm like i've done like 37 covid tests i think i um every time you use a plane 
uh, you have to have a COVID test to, uh, 48 hours before. And every time you return, you before your flight, you have, a, have to have 48. So a lot of people are just afraid of traveling. But as long as you have a COVID test, as long as you have the, uh, you uh, find the QR code from the province that you're going to, and you set up your account there, having those two things is like, there's no one can do anything. How about the living expenses in terms of cost of living in Beijing, as opposed to Tsingtao where you were? And so first, first of all, I would to have to say, England. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's much oh, cheaper, I'm oh, sure. Oh man, it's like so. I um, when I came to China, I really didn't have a plan, and I didn't really know how long I would be here. I had this, I had this thing where I was thinking I would maybe do four years. Um, save money, then travel around the world. Um, but I must say, uh, I'm living the most comfortable life I've ever lived. Um, sometimes I feel like I'm living like a king here. You know, <laughs> um, uh, I I wouldn't say maybe it's like honestly, if I if I speak Chinese, I, like this, it would be perfect. Um, Qingdao was much much cheaper than living in Beijing. Uh, oh my God, Qingdao was just uh, amazing. Uh, food is super affordable in China. That's one big difference about England. In England, it's like there is n- it, there's no affordable food. You go to re- like I remember you know going to restaurant was like a thing that you would do from time to time. You know maybe twice a month. You know like I wasn't like I, w- I wasn't a rich guy when hey, I, was- I know I, I live in Los Angeles. Believe me. Yeah, I know it's expensive. And it's it is expensive. Here I can go to a restaurant every day. I can I I I don't have to cook if I don't want to. Um, delivery everything's in China. The service is incredible. Everything is so fast because they they have so many people. They have so labor. It's just labor so, everywhere. Yeah, and it's they are very demanding as well. So <laughs> you you want to get things very quickly, uh, and so you know, like you can order food straight away like it's within one hour half an hour it's there Um, how's your how's your stomach have you gotten sick yet (laughs) oh it's funny that you say that um everybody who goes to china gets it eventually my first year my first year to in china i have never been so ill in my life (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Pretty much the whole year, the whole year, I was just like from one illness to another. There's always something. I think my, my, um, I, obviously the pollution is a little bit of thing in here. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, I had to, I had to get my allergies were kicking off. Uh, I had to get used to that. Um, I think in terms of uh, my stomach, Every summer, I have six or seven weeks holiday. So I just travel. I'm on the road all the time. Uh, and so when I travel in different provinces, that's where it's the worst. Oh, my God. It's just, um, I, I would say I became like this uh, a Chinese vegetarian. <laughs> it's like a, it's like a diff, it's like a different type of vegetarian. You, well, you mean you can yourself- eat insects and fish? <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I just like, I, it's just like the one issue I have in China is like the way they kind of with the meat here. 
because I used to this this meat the meat that in the West is like a bit more like uh, think about your like uh, like chicken fillet like clean. It's just like it's just the meat. It's just a clean. Uh, presented nicely and all that stuff yeah. and in here it's just like there's the skin the bones the like feet the beast the head <laughs> yeah all the, yeah it's like it's all of that it's all of that you go to the shopping mall and sometimes you see like the like you see the like the pigs feet or like yeah. the chicken feet and everything, it, everything. That, it's just gr- so gross so gross <laughs> But obviously, for Chinese people, they see this. They they've seen this since I, they were kids. Like of course, for them it's just not completely normal. That, yeah, yeah. But also, but also, like the young generation, um, a lot of them they just don't don't like that stuff. Yeah, they well. want McDonald's. They, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they do. They do. Yeah. They do. Do you, is there anything? Mm. Well, I find it odd that for someone who likes serene, quiet places, you go to the most crowded country in the world. <laughs> it's it's such you know what and that's the thing is like i remember the things i loved about england and all of that and i have to always say like oh yeah and now i end up in china it's like a bit of <laughs> yeah i know but i must say china in terms of urbex um by the way uh, maybe i should explain this urbex is like a ter- terminal like the terminology ter- terminology for the for the abandoned stuff so okay exploring, it, yeah exploring abandoned places is urbex we call the we call the places bandos that's kind of like <laughs> bandos. A slang. i like bandos that. yeah that's why my podcast is called chasing bandos because like that's essentially what people are doing mm-hmm. and um yeah so in terms of like urbex china is like gold gold mine my god it's like a gold mine for urbex well i mean um, other than are you the only um one or one of the only foreigners doing what you do there? Is it mostly other Chinese? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I would say like pretty much, I mean, there's one other asshole in here. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I can't help myself because this guy, like, like when I reached out to him, he said to me that he would take me to places if I pay him. And oh, I man. just like, Oh my God, dude, like, dude. <laughs> um, um yeah so i in terms of foreigners i don't really know a part of this one dude uh but in terms of uh, chinese explorers they it, it's it's becoming a thing you have to understand that china also have their own social media uh so they have their own like apps where they use for sharing stuff and travel uh, so those abandoned places that keep popping up because you know some some there's people find them intriguing uh, when you share some of those locations, it's like, it's like, whoa, wait a second. What? Yeah. How is this possible? You know, so um, more people are looking into those places. So um, there's a lot of new explorers. I'm always fascinated by that one I've seen. I think it's in Turkey about that village. And it's all like mini Disney castles. Have you yeah. seen that one? <laughs> is yeah, that yeah, Turkey? Yeah, yeah. I think it's Turkey. That is Turkey. That is Turkey. I was, um, I, I, I had so many plans before Corona uh, hit. Yeah, of, we all did. Because we all had plans. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So this was one of those places that I um I wanted to go and visit those kind of Disney house ca- castles in in Turkey. It's just the whole <laughs> they build like a housing development. They every single house looks like a little mini Disney castle. Absolutely insane. It's so bizarre. Yeah, yeah. What do you it's find? Like some some like some millionaire with some crazy idea that's what uh, it is i mean do you think yeah most of these things fail i mean not talking the military ones but i'm talking like the private 
buildings. Mm. Do do they fail through greed or are they just bad planning? Or sometimes, um, it, it, yeah, it ver it varies. It really varies. Like sometimes I find like uh, South China, um, the character there people are a little bit more feisty, you know. And so there are some crazy stories about. I remember this one story where there was abandoned theme park, and originally there were two guys that invested in it, but one took control for some reason. Other person got uh, felt left behind so what he did he hired 40 thugs and with knives guns and explosives and invaded the theme park to went to like the engine room and set up a bomb in there and then the police find found out that one of the 40 guys that he hired was a guy that was uh, that was wanted by the police for murder and rape for two years so <laughs> some of some of the some of the uh, things are, are absolutely crazy there was this one i mentioned the buddha fallen buddha um temple and it was just a land deal between the uh, the local government and the farmers and they just didn't agree on the on the deal and the government like went in and started construction uh, it's probably a, a way to pressuring people to like fulfill and like agree um they probably haven't signed things and then it's um it's boom uh local people won like quotation quotation won because no one really won in that yeah um there was uh there were two mansions on top of the hill where some rich uh, guy just he thought oh because i'm rich then that's not going to be a problem if i just build a house here on top of the mountain <laughs> and then he uh, after the place got built um the local government said like, well, you don't have a permission to build here. <laughs> like, and we're not going to give you the permission because of some reasons. And all of a sudden, boom, the place is, the place is abandoned. So there's many different things, but I sometimes feel mostly is because like someone had this idea of building something so remote, thinking that that, because that place is very unique, the architecture is great. It would bring people to that yeah. place or maybe build it they, and they will come. Yeah, and and sometimes just doesn't doesn't work like that. Yeah, no, that's fascinating. So, where do you think? Um, do you want to go next? Do you have like a, a dream list of of places that oh. you want to go, especially when things start to open up again? Yeah, but I keep saying that for the last two years, and yeah, I know. Me too. The the next, um, uh, it, you know, summer is coming. And I had this whole plan of exploring in Japan. There are a couple of places in Japan that are absolutely insane. So in, the, in our urbex world, there are certain sites that we call them holy grails. Um, now, the abandoned space shuttles in Kazakhstan, uh, that's a place where every explorer knows about this one and everyone wants abandoned to Abandoned space shuttles. Who built mm. these space shuttles? Russians. Russians, okay, I was going to say. Yeah. <laughs> and they abandoned yeah, so them in Kazakhstan. After the, the fall of the Soviet yeah. Union, the, the, the financing of that uh, project has been cancelled. So they obviously, they still lease the land from Kazakhstan. Uh, it's called Baikonur Cosmodrome. Uh, and they still sent rockets to space from, from Baikonur. But on the edge of that military base, there is a hangar where there are two <laughs> space shuttles 
uh, and one was almost completed to be the next one because they sent the original. So the space shuttle is called Buran, the Russian space shuttle. It, it means blizzard. And it went to space once, orbit the Earth. It was um, unmanned, remotely controlled, and they landed it as well. So it was in absolutely insane achievement for like the technology, the 80s. This was very late 80s, early, early 90s. And um, yeah, after the collapse of Soviet Union, uh, that um, that got abandoned. I just couldn't believe it, you know, that, that this is something that can be there. But there are other places. For example, in, in Japan, there is a place called Hashima Island, uh, Gankanjima in, in Japanese. And this is where they filmed um, James Bond. Oh, wait a minute. I've there. seen this. Yeah, yeah, I've seen this, they, uh, like a drone footage of this of this place. Yeah. It's basically yeah, actually, just a, a little island, but it's all built up. It's a uh, it was a mining mining community. Yes, yeah. um, actually, they they have not like actually actually filmed in that place. They 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 went in there. They took the pictures. They took the drone footage of that, but they they said it's too dangerous to to film in there. So they actually built the set, but but it was based on on that island. So mm-hmm. that island is really really risky to do it, and it's very. I mean, the waters, it's very, in terms of exploring in Japan, it's, it's crazy in, the, yeah. <laughs> in terms of like the, um, the nature. It's super difficult to get on the island. Um, but that's one place that's been on my list for a really long time. And I would love to do it. Uh, Fukushima is another one, the disaster. Oh, yeah. Um, that's what I would love to do. Well, what do you think all this, um, this you know, what you've seen and your travels and your perspective mm-hmm. of being... You know, growing up in Eastern Europe and then moving to the UK and now in China, mm. um, and your travels. What has it taught you about people and the world, and how has it changed you as a person? Mm. Oh wow, that's that's really good question. <laughs> I I would say people are just regular people. People everywhere they're just really super super nice. And no matter, I've been in so many situations when I'm like in the middle of nowhere and I have to just flag a car, someone would stop and take me. I, I tried to give them money and they wouldn't even accept money. They would go out of the way to bring me to, uh, to the hotel. And I, I, I always like the generosity of just local people is, is incredible. Uh, absolutely incredible. And maybe it is because I'm a foreigner in, in a different country. Maybe they wouldn't treat the local the same way. I don't know. But my experience always been uh, that I was really amazed how that, that was. And yeah, I mean, you see, growing in Poland, uh, Poland at the time when I was there, 90s, 90s, early 2000s, right? Um I don't. I really don't know how Poland it is now, but it was very kind of right wing. Uh, I felt um, not very open. I would say it, uh, the mindset was pretty. I would say, yeah. I, I don't. I recently with what's happening in Poland and like how they helping the refugees and all that stuff. I feel like my view of Poland is maybe a little bit uh, backwards nowadays. But I felt like it was pretty racist um and only coming to england kind of just like opened my eyes um and you know what when you start teaching in school 
And um, even though I teach in high school, there was some younger kids because some kids, some schools, they, you can see kids from all the, like all the ages, even though I only teach on like the fourth or third floor and I never deal with those small kids. You know, sometimes there are some certain events in school, blah, blah, blah. So you have that interaction and you know what? At the end, when the kid is so small and they they have not been like affected by the nastiness of the world, they have no like concepts of those. Every kid is the same. It doesn't matter what color, what ethnicity. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone is the same, and and um and it's really um it, that kind of view of of like just it's just so shallow like if, if someone well, has yeah. some prejudice against some other race of or, or whatever well no one's born racist uh, it's uh taught and learned yeah. <laughs> yeah. so yeah yeah and people are just afraid of things that are different to what they um oh yeah uh, you know experience and yeah so i would say uh, g- going to england was really opening my eyes to um diversity and the cities are very cos- cosmopolitan and um and yes yeah, so that was that was big learning curve and really great there must be less to, oh go ahead it was in china there must be less diversity than oh, yeah 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 of course yeah in china you feel a little bit like every day is a is a first day a little bit you know <laughs> like you you get the same questions um where you're from, that kind of stuff. Like, what do you do here? Um, but, you know, it's a new experience. <laughs> well, where can people uh, find you? Greg Abandoned on Instagram. Right? Uh, is there yeah. any other uh, sites you can so, people can see? So, yeah. So, I mainly operate on, on Instagram. Um, I'm, I'm not actually, like, super good with, like, the social media, all that stuff. Um, I've always promised myself that maybe I would, like, should... Uh, do like more on like Facebook and stuff like that. It's just like a little bit difficult when you are in China. So Greg abandoned on Instagram. That's like where I live. <laughs> and then uh, obviously if um, gregabandon.com is like any extra information on the website, um, if you want to find a reason why I don't share location, just uh, go there. I explain <laughs> all that. Um, uh, I have a book out called Abandoned China. This is book one out of three because if I, put all those places in the book. <laughs> you really have to go to the gym to pick up this book. Right. So I had to, uh, I had to uh, separate into uh, three different books. Uh, this book is, uh, my publisher is probably not going to be happy with this because um, um, I probably should mention this when the book is out. So if you want to <laughs> check it, like you're going to have to really look, uh, I think because we, we are currently trying to get this book out. Um, so, I don't know exactly the date, what is going to be, but I feel like it's going to be next month. Um, and yeah, I, I think all the links is probably easier to find if um, if people yeah. find me on Instagram. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And you can send me a yeah. list of the links and I'll put them on our site. Yeah. And, oh, you, and Chasing and the podcast. podcast, yes. Chasing yeah, Bandos. Chasing Bandos, yeah. Let's plug that one. Yes. Yeah, because essentially you see the thing is, we don't really have a category for the podcast because it's like, in a way, it is like a travel podcast. But yes, it's travel, a, it's adventure, a, it's history, and yeah, and it's like stories. Mostly, it's like people just share the stories of like what happened when they go um, 
to those abandoned places. I do like a mini series. So I do like a Chernobyl mini series, North Korea. That's, North Korea is like a little bit of a passion project for me. I, uh, I've been to North Korea in 2019. You got in? So yeah. And got out. Wow. <laughs> uh, and how? Yeah. And um, uh, so you see in China, uh, people go to North Korea to experience what the old China was like. Yeah. So a, a older generation, older generation would go, uh, and so I was uh, lucky enough to uh, get myself a one of those uh, tours. Um, and I was the only foreigner in my group. Uh, hopefully, there was there were two other people that speak English uh, <laughs> in there. But yeah, um, so I, I'm a little bit obsessed with North Korea, um, and I, you know, they don't look at they what's happening in there is such a tragedy but i feel like just because they don't look like you and me no one really cares and wants to do anything about it um that's a sad truth unfortunately and yeah so and i also have a, a buran mini series where i um uh, interview other people who went to um see the space shuttles because that's that's like a mission and half <laughs> right. it's a little bit this is like a little bit insane. So I love to talk to other people who've done it because we can like share uh, experiences and hearing how different it was for other people. It's truly r- remarkable. So yeah, um, that's essentially that. Well, you've, well, you've yeah. got a fun hobby there. And uh, thank you for contacting me. And this yes. has been great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I invited myself. <laughs> yeah, you did. But, uh, you know, but I ask people yeah. every episode. Yeah. I mean, if you think you'd be right for it, uh, you think you have a good story or you know somebody, you know, write me. And you yeah. did. So that was cool. And look, look, the same thing. If if you're writing a book or you are like doing something out there and you think to yourself that someone's going to contact you and all of a sudden you're going to be discovered. I have to give people a bit of a, like a wake up call. You yourself have to get out there. You have to get out and, and like send this thing to the publisher and don't wait for the publisher to come to you. You have to send it, talk to people and do it that way because other way you might be waiting for a long time. Yeah. Good advice. Mm -hmm. Well, stick on the line and I'll talk to you afterwards, but I'm going to wrap this up right now. I appreciate you doing this. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you for having me. That was a pleasure. Greg abandoned everyone. (laughs) 